This is a KUNV Studios original program. The content of this program does not reflect the views or opinions of 91.5 Jazz and More, the University of Nevada, Las Vegas, or the Board of Regents of the Nevada System of Higher Education. Good morning, and thank you for joining me for The Scoop with Tanya Flanagan. I'm so happy you decided to wake up and start your day with me. Here on The Scoop, where we talk about life, joy, funny moments, trending topics, and so much more. We promise to keep you in the know and find out what you know. So, let's get started. Good morning, Las Vegas, and welcome to this first Sunday in the month of March. I'm delighted to be here with you once again, and I'm excited about my guest today. Um, someone I've known for a while, I respect greatly, and I gr- get great humor from. Greg Esposito, the Greg Esposito. He has <laughs> one of my favorite names. I love the name Gregory. Greg is the Public Relations and Government Affairs Director for Local 525. One of my favorite things, the union. I'm a union family girl. Plumbers, pipe fitters, and service technicians, Local 525. Greg Esposito, welcome to The Scoop. Thank you very much for having me. I greatly appreciate it. Thank you for being here. I'm so excited you could do it so early in the morning. How'd you get up? It was a stretch. Mornings are not my thing. Are you a coffee person? Very much so. Cool. So how many cups have you had before you got here? It's not the quantity, it's the quality. What coffee do you drink? Death Wish Valhalla Java. Wow. Yes. It is as serious as you get. So does that make my Nordstrom random brand blends and... um, they get they source them from great places like women and, and women-owned companies, and I think I'm being very conscious about my coffee, but you just made me feel like a wimp. Oh. I, I feel I have some Nordic in me, so, uh, you know, anything Viking-themed is my, hmm. my jam. Well, I'm glad you're here today. Thank you for coming in to talk about um, what you guys are doing over at Local 525. My dad is union-retired, so it's very near and dear to my heart. I remember when we met, uh, you had... Uh, come in to speak to some union members, and we were very impressed with your backstory. Thank you. Uh, one of the things that I look for uh, in the people that I, I work with and associate with is their union kitchen table story. Mm-hmm. You know, did you have a dad or a mom who raised you? And, and, and did you have health insurance because they were union? Uh, did you have a, a better schooling experience because they were union? Um, and so it's, it's important when I, when I talk to people about their background. Yeah, my dad is my hero. Uh, we are two peas in a pot. Very much twins. Daddy has a strong personality. He's very straightforward. He's a straight shooter. And so over the years, I've tried to filter what I need because I'm like him. But he is so um, honest that it will hurt your feelings, right? <laughs> so I've learned to censor the portion that I got from my mother's. My dad's a Scorpio. My mom's a was a Sagittarian, and so the two of them together were like, not hot and cold, but he was just like on it, and she was measured, if you will. So she was kind and gracious, and he was, if you can't take it, you know, too bad. Not going to be worrying about how many tears you are shedding. And I had friends who shared with me, well, sometimes you can just say things in a way, and, you know, it's just really, what? It's just harsh. Like, you don't, you know, think about it. And I was like, oh, you... My dad's name is Tommy. Middle name is Lee. So I gave you Tommy Lee. So over the years, I've learned when to give people Tommy Lee and when to give them Loretta. 
So that is my hero. But um, Union, we're talking about plumbers, pipe fitters, and service technicians, Local 525 today. And you've been in this space for a long time. Why? How, you know, how long? Because the union was established in 1938, which is also my dad to your birth. So I know for a fact that it's 85 years old. It's very easy for me to remember that. Um, and it was chartered by 12, you know, people who were a combination, I suppose, of the trades you now represent. Yes. Um, what drew you to it? When I was growing up, my, uh, my dad made it very clear that uh, people need to do two things, die and, and use the bathroom. And so if you wanted a <laughs> lifetime career, you either become a mortician or a plumber. Right? You're not, never lied about that. <laughs> Morticians, woo, yeah, okay, or plumbers. And so um, when I moved out to Vegas, uh-huh. I, I was working hourly wage jobs, a kitchen worker, a carpenter, grocery store clerk. And as I was a, a grocery store clerk, plumbers would come in uh, and, and tell me about, hey, you're wasting your time. Uh, you're the prime age where you should join a trade. And so once I left that grocery store, uh, I, I did actually go to a plumbing company and I just brought in a bucket of tools and said, hey, put me to work. I had worked with my hands before uh, with my dad uh, back in New York and um, they gave me a shot. Uh, it wasn't a good wage, but it was enough and they gave me a chance and I really took to it. Uh, two years later, I applied for and was accepted into the apprenticeship program. So that was 1998, the Plumbers and Pipefitters Apprenticeship Program. And the funny thing is, is that, you know, I'm figured I'm a pretty smart guy. I had done plumbing for two years. I figured they should just take me as a journeyman because I knew what I was doing already. And fortunately, the organizer that I spoke to uh, said, you know, you don't know what you don't know. Go through the apprenticeship program because you're going to learn a full spectrum of what this industry has to offer, not only you, but the community as a whole. And he was very right. Uh, it's a five-year, the apprenticeship program is a five-year program, and you learn plumbing, no doubt about that, but it's so much more. Um, you learn process piping. Um, if you think of, like, for example, the Ethylene Chocolate Factory and all of the piping that goes into heating the chocolate, transferring the chocolate from vat to vat, forming the chocolate, um, food processing plants have immense amounts of piping. Well somebody has to install it, somebody has to maintain it, and somebody has to train to install very fine, uh, highly, high purity pipes. That's, that's what we do. Hmm. Powerhouses, you know, you head, you head north to Apex uh, and you see Power Alley out there, uh, gas-fired powerhouses. There's 50, 60,000 PSI pipes out there, you know, three, four inch thick chrome pipes that need to be welded together, maintained. Um, and if something goes wrong, it could be catastrophic for the workers on the factory. Um, that's all plumbing and pipe fitting. And so after five years, I, I, I had learned the spectrum of what it is that, that we offer. And every year, there's more. Like shortly after I, uh, shortly after I uh, graduated, they started orbital welding, um, which is an entire process that you need for chip plants. You know, down in Phoenix, you have Intel. Up in Oregon, you've, you know, you've got different chip plants. And, of course, you know, with the Chips Act, there's, that's going to be a booming industry in, in America. <laughs> NVIDIA, uh, you know, topping the, topping the news these days for becoming one of the largest uh, yep. companies in the world. All of that requires process piping. Uh, very high-purity stuff, uh, either to keep the factory room cool and clean 
or to provide cooling fluids for the processing, um, the manufacturing process. And so technology is always advancing and we have to advance with it. And that's one of the things that makes my trade so interesting. Uh, you never stop learning. And then once you've learned, once you've mastered how to build it, then you have to master how to maintain it. And it's a whole different portion of our training, right? Um, pump maintenance, uh, uh, electrical, you know, low voltage electrical uh, 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 diagnostics, because uh, everything you know runs off of switches and, and uh, solenoid valves and things like that. So it's a trade that has a lot of facets to it, and I've enjoyed evolving with it. I have enjoyed listening to what you're talking about because as I thought about our time together this morning, um, I wanted you to paint a picture for listening audience that's relative and relevant in terms of what you do. Because people think of plumbing, and of course they do. They think of their commode, the nice name for the toilet, the toilet. And that's what, it's the immediate thing that you can relate to, but it's a career and a space that creates safety for so many people in our everyday lives that we really don't think about it. And so I'm glad that you were talking about um, some of the jobs and visual things that people can connect to in terms of what you do and the training. Um, you mentioned being an apprentice and being a journeyman. You said about five years. So is that a, are you saying that that's a five-year process or is there a different timeline for the person out there thinking, hmm, I never thought about this or understood it from this perspective, or the person who's thinking and listening to it, thinking about their son or even their daughter um, coming into a space as we um, see things change and we look at career spaces for people. What I'm hearing is this is one that will always have some relevance. And as people are figuring out what to do, it will stay relevant because we see automation and we see change and we see jobs being eliminated and we see the need to create opportunity. Yeah, it, it's a, it's a five-year apprenticeship mm -hmm. um, from start to finish. There are a few occasions where you can skip a year. Let's just say you were in the military and you did a lot of plumbing or pipe fitting, welding in the military. Um, you go through uh, the veterans and piping program and uh, then you'll, you can get like a direct entry into the second or third year because uh, you've already more or less mastered the basic stuff that you would learn in the first year. Um, there are some uh, programs where we uh, help people reintegrate after serving prison sentences. And sometimes they uh, have skills that they've learned either prior or during their incarceration. Uh, and sometimes they, they can slide in uh, at, a, at an advanced level. But typically... You want to do the five years, really. Because first of all, you're making a, a fine wage as a first-year apprentice, uh, and so there's no there's no real desperate need to jump. And you learn so much more, and you build that camaraderie, and you build that reputation for being a, a good craftsperson. Uh, and, and you wind up working more solidly when you have that reputation. Once you finish that five years, and, and by the way, this goes for all of the building trades. I think there are 15 or 16 different types of building trades unions here in Southern Nevada. And pretty much everything I'm saying goes for almost all of them. Okay. Once you graduate your program, uh, the, the classic definition of journeyman means you can travel, you journey, right, with your craft. Uh, that's actually the, the, where the phrase masterpiece comes from. Mm. Once you have, once you're a journeyman and you're an apprentice, you create your masterpiece, whatever 
whatever it looked like, whatever it was, mm -hmm. and then you can journey with it and show the next city over, hey, this is the sort of craftsmanship I'm capable of. Oh, wow. And then they would they would accept you into their guild and then you could uh, work in that trade. It's sort of the, the language to it all. That's really cool to learn the history of where um, the terms come from and what they mean, because I don't think people really know yeah. most of the time. We just see you as a necessary component to make our life and the things around us work. Um, the programs that you guys offer that help people. You mentioned you talked about veterans and, and um, formerly incarcerated people, and that's huge. It's really huge and I, for me because um, we are grateful to our veterans for the time that they've served, but a lot of times the transition when you come back and making sure there is a space for them to land life after time in the military, and then also those who have been convicted of crime and served their time. Um, not having continuous punishment and having a way to accept them and help them re-enter into society and earn just a, a reasonable livable wage and then go on to live the rest of their lives. There's programs within your apprenticeship programs for them. Yeah, uh, and and they're not as broad as I would like. You know, we, we do try to reach out to as many um, people as we can. We do take in as many people as we can, but we only take in as many as we can put out to work. Uh, I'm not a fan of false hope. And so, yeah, there's, uh, there are plenty of people who apply and don't get in. Uh, trust me, I would fill my school every day, every night, uh, if, if there was work for everyone. Mm -hmm. um, but since we limit it to, to the jobs we have available, this way you earn while you learn. But back to the programs, yeah, so um, the United Association has the veterans in piping and all the other trades have what they call helmets to hard hats. Mm. As the Helmets Hard Hat sort of operates in the same way. If you've been uh, in the military and you're an electrician, you've been in the military and you're a painter, whatever it may be, um, there are ways to integrate and get credit for your time served uh, as a service person uh, into getting into an apprenticeship program. Because okay. every apprenticeship program application process works on a point system. Um, ours, you take a math test, you get points, you come in with work, you know, on the job experience, military experience, certifications, those all add up to points and then uh, you're given a live interview. Pretty much all the bill and trades work that way, um, that way, the same way. Um, trades have been around for a long time. This union's been around 85 years. Vegas has changed tremendously uh, with the growth, casinos, um, hotels, businesses. Um, some of the major things that you guys have worked on, all of them, some of them, every major project. Yeah, there's, there's really- Roads. Just there's really no major project that you see as you as you look at the Vegas landscape that that unions didn't build um, all the major road work uh, that you see infrastructure projects powerhouses uh, as I mentioned um, that's that's all been built union mm -hmm. um, and it's great for the community I mean if you if you think about what a union does for the community and brings the community sort of rises all all tides uh, or all ships in the tide because if you are a contractor and you want to try and pay substandard wages and, and the craftsperson you're trying to employ knows they could go to a union and get better wages, they will, right? And so right. You, have to, you have to rise your uh, labor, what you're paying labor, because unions exist. So it creates, it creates better competitiveness sure. in a market where you see a lot of jobs that are non-union. Um, they get people from all over the place, which means you don't have a skilled laborer. 
you don't have someone who's trained and proven in that training to know what they're doing when they go in and they're doing the piping and they're doing stuff with your housing. Um, well, I, I, w- I would never insult any craftsman to say that they're not skilled. They could be the best there is at, at, build, at building houses or whatever it may be. Mm-hmm. And that's all they want. They, they, want, that, they want that job. Right. right. So I, I don't I don't look down on anybody who isn't a union member. Right. Uh, because some people are where exactly where they want to be. I just hope that everyone understands that sometimes there's a better opportunity for them out there. Gotcha. I appreciate that. And I respect that. Um, in the spaces we see um, things changing environmentally. Um, what's your responsibility in the space of environmental consciousness? Because we're looking at energy efficiency. We're looking at. Um, just how things are changing. I know there's conversations with solar and um, you have a role in HVAC work as well. Yeah. So how does that? You know, it's funny. The shame is, is that unions, especially the bill and trades unions are always seen as, um, you know, build it, grow it, you know, just keep building um, and don't worry about the environmental space. And that nothing can be further from the truth. As a matter of fact, I don't know if you remember many, many years ago, they were having that, that discussion about bringing rural groundwater down to Las Vegas and, mm-hmm. and you know, oh, building the pipeline. Yeah, remember. And my union was not in favor of that, right? Because we have sportsmen who enjoy those uh, environments up there, the wetlands and things like that. And um, and we knew that if we piped the groundwater out of there, it would kill those wetlands. It would kill the... And so we, we don't need work that bad, right? We do respect the environment. We do enjoy the environment. We go out there and we, part, you know, we partake in... Uh, uh, nature uh, of the the beautiful nature of Nevada, and to that end, we are we are not looking at building as many gas fired plants as we have in the past. But now we're looking at starting to build hydrogen plants, where hydrogen is a, a very viable, clean and green technology. There's two different types of hydrogen. Uh, the as as you may have read, the RTC is starting to trans transition all of their buses from burning fossil fuels to hydrogen, but yet they're going to California to buy it because there are no plants in the state to buy hydrogen from. Mm -hmm. And so Nevada needs to develop those plants. All of those plants have tanks and pipes and extensive welding that needs to be x-rayed and to a certain purity and standards. And that's us. You know, the air liquid uh, plant that's in North Las Vegas, Mm -hmm. they had to bring us on because they needed welders that just were not going to miss. Right. And that's us. There's so much growth and there's so much for people to look forward to when you start talking about where we're going, where we're building, how we're evolving, um, energy efficiency, opportunities, transportation. Uh, We just have a really long way to go in a city that I think people probably never even thought Vegas. I mean, when I came here, which is almost 30 years ago now, it was beginning to grow. You know, the housing market was different. I remember when there was nothing in spaces where now there's just, I go out toward the West End and you see all this development and it's like, look at all that, all these houses, um, how all this growth, the change. I'll do you one better. I mean, uh, I'm not too far removed from when the dump, the landfill for the city of Las Vegas was at the end of Vegas Drive. It was just past Nellis Boulevard. Wow. And and you can still look up there and see this b- sort of blank, weird land where they had to f- cover it all mm-hmm. because Vegas had grown too much. And you could see it and smell it from the town. Mm-hmm. But that they thought that that was as the, f- the end of the world out right. there. Mm-hmm. I, when I first started, I talked about, talked about that one contractor that brought me on. 
we were working in North Las Vegas and they, they way off in the distance was a power line. It was like this white towers across way out there. Mm-hmm. And they said, they're not going to stop until they reach that power line. I said, no way. There's no way they're ever going to build houses all the way out there. Psh. <laughs> that power line is on this side of the 215 and they've already started building on the other side so of the 215. Wow. Yeah, so. I mean, grow, it's crazy how much you see um, the growth and the change. But I think it's also really important to make sure young people, because not everyone wants to go to college and not everyone will go to college, um, find the opportunity to do something that they love to do. Um, and take, I mean, I re, I've talked to you before about these stories when I'm Go visit my dad. I'm from Phoenix. I grew up in Phoenix. I was born in northern Arizona. I grew up in Phoenix. I've been here for about 30 years. But whenever I do go home to visit him, he's still there. Um, The projects that he worked on, he was part of the Carpenters and um, Laborers Union forever. And even after he retired, he retired around 60, about 20 years ago now. My mother passed away. And the work was just hard work. And so it was like without having you know, his better half there to help him in the evening with dinner and preparing for the workday because he was very meticulous about it. But whenever we go home, he's always telling me all the jobs, the freeway jobs and the housing jobs. And for a long time, even after he retired, his hobby was to get together with a group of guys and they would just do, a friend had a number of houses. They did the roofing, they did the plumbing, they did the remodeling, they put in new bathrooms, poured concrete, uh, all these things and it was just you could see the labor of love and um, the measurements and these conversations about everything that goes with it the two by fours and the young cats would come in talking about what they had learned and he was convinced you don't know let me tell you what you need to know you haven't done you haven't done your time and it's just great pride in um, knowing how even some of the things that I I have literally taken a sink apart before and it's I owe it all to watching my dad do different aspects of work that he learned in the trades over all of those years and the great respect he always had for, you know, union. And I remember, I think an earring or a ring fell down the sink one day. Greg, I turned the sink off so quick. (laughs) Oh my God, my diamond, whatever, whatever, just went down the drain. I took everything out. I pulled the whole thing apart. I disconnected it. I got the bucket. I put it down there. I captured the water and I found what I was looking for and then I put the sink back together again. There is something very rewarding about constructing something. Mm-hmm. That's why, you know, I, I don't, there is no different classes. I don't care if you're building a house, uh, snaking a drain, um, you know, working on a refinery. Uh, there's something very rewarding about that, those early morning hours mm-hmm. when you're getting on the job, sun's coming up, it's nice cool in the air. Um, and, and you know what you have to do by the end of that day. And at the end of that day, it is done, right? Um, so many people work in, in jobs where that to-do list never gets any shorter. Because mm-hmm. even if you do accomplish a little bit here and a little bit there, something else comes up. In construction, um, you know There's the end. There's that, a completion. I need these two walls up today, or mm-hmm. I need to pull this, this many feet through this conduit. Um, I, I need to hang this many sheets of drywall and then my day is done. Uh, very rewarding. And, you know, you mentioned... Would you say that's the best part of the job? No, no, the best part of the job is cashing the checks. Yeah, that's oh, definitely, oh, okay. Well, yeah. I, I thought, you know, maybe it was... <laughs> no, so... <laughs> um, no, it, it, it's, it's, it's very rewarding when you can use the skills 
to solve a problem that maybe the prince didn't catch or you know, the person designing it didn't catch. Um, when you can step back and, and look at something you did and, and really appreciate it. I mean, I know very well like some of the people that did the Allegiant Stadium, some of the people that did the Sphere. They they just, every time they drive by, it just that's puts a, a heck of a job. Like, um, let's take the Sphere and just talk about that for a second because, you know, we're getting to the end of the show, but it's this big, to us, it's this big round, this globe thing and it, it lights up. What goes into connecting? Because you see something and you build it in the construction behind a unique piece of architecture. And speaking, I mean, let me just speak to unique architecture. I remember the day they finished the Luxor. Mm. The, the general contractor said, if we had to build another one, it would be much easier because we knew all of the different engineering things we had to come up with in order to create the first one. I mean, the inclinators, the fact that you know, elevators run at a 45-degree angle. I can only imagine, because I didn't live here when the Luxor was built, and I remember I was living in Seattle, and I thought, I wanted to come to Vegas just because I wanted to see how did they construct a pyramid in the desert. <laughs> like, there's a pyramid in the desert now. We have yeah. got to go. And I remember that. It's a, it's a feat of engineering. Uh, if you look at the the, the um And I tell people that. I tell people that because it's the one hotel that when you go to what it looks like on the outside is what it looks like on the yeah. inside. And I would always tell people, where should you go? You should actually go before, you know, even now. The Luxor is the one hotel that what it looks like on the outside is what it looks like on the inside. When it opened, it was the largest atrium in the world because mm-hmm. it's the largest open indoor space in the world because mm-hmm. of how it, how it pyramids up. But, you know, you talk about the high roller and the skill that it went into putting That's each section that. on this big bicycle wheel and the spokes and, and how you had to shift it all and, and, and put it all together. Very complex, new stuff, you know, the sphere. Uh, the LEDs on the outside are, you know, probably all components. That you just, but you have to sit there and slowly plug each component in, and the ironwork has to go up at a certain pace, and you have to follow it up. It's it's very layered. Mm-hmm. You know, you can't just all right. Let me build the sphere first, then I'll start putting lights on the outside. You have to you have to have a, a long term strategic plan. What for, about the Eiffel Tower? I was actually on the Paris as that was that was actually my first job when I, I should first say got the Paris. The, I did, call it, but it is but the, the, a replica you know, of the Eiffel Tower. Yeah, no, I mean. Uh, Imagine, imagine Las Vegas Boulevard as busy as it is, and it was on, you know, it was open at the time, and you're trying to construct something that usually takes a lot of space. Mm-hmm. And, and the engineering and the coordination that had to go into the crane work that had to go into all that, uh, getting all that stuff that high. And the cool thing is, is that as they were building the Eiffel Tower, mm-hmm. they were testing the fountains at, at I was Bellagio. just about to say, my other one is like, I want to know about the fountains at Bellagio and the volcano that used to be at the garage because oh and the wind has if you're ever in the wind um on the other side of the waterfall like an entire show comes up right right and the frog comes out and he sings louis armstrong's <laughs> song to me to me to me from the parasol lounge because it's, it's just i thought that was so cool but we have like these amazing things that you guys have done and people see them every day and i don't think they realize well who's even, behind this greatness even the mosaic if you go into the to the bellagio uh, I think it's the Picasso rest, the mosaic work and the tiles mm. on the floor. Oh my God, I mean, yeah. that's that even in the is, conservatory. Yeah, and the, uh, the, the the garden. Vegas has a unique attention to detail, and it's mm-hmm. what makes us who we are, who we are. right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and and uh, that's all craftsmen. Well, that's all you know. Us paying very close attention to making things work. Uh, we did the fountain. The plumbers and pipe fitters did the fountains of the Bellagio. We had welders who had to go get scuba trained. I used to love my, I used to work for MGM when it was MGM Mirage. And one of my favorite things about my job was I could tell people, 
turn on those fountains. <laughs> and the people would be out there watching the show and it would end and we wouldn't be done. So I would say, yeah, can you fire my fountains up again? <laughs> and it was so one of the coolest things, but it, we were down under two minutes and I want to make sure people know how to um, find out more, learn more about the programs. Yeah, so uh, first of all, the Southern Nevada Bill and Trades has a great website uh, that people can visit uh, to learn more about all of the Bill and Trades. Um, you know, for more information about my organization, uh, you know, the website local525.org, very simple to remember. Uh, and there you can learn more about, you know, uh, the apprenticeship program, what it takes to be a journeyman. But I encourage all trades and this is what I, I always like to say two things. If you are an hourly wage earner, there is a union that represents you. I don't care who you are. Uh, you are represented somewhere, somehow. I have never heard anyone say, I wish I had not joined a union. I regret joining the union. Doesn't happen. What I always hear people say is, I wish I had joined a union sooner. Because it comes with a level of unity and power to have everyone talking, uh, uh, standing behind you, um, helping you achieve. I appreciate that. And I appreciate your time. We are out of time. So the Greg Esposito, I'm always excited to talk with you and learn more. Thank you for joining me this morning on The Scoop. And thank you, everyone, for tuning in and listening. I will see you or hear you and talk to you next week. Same time, KUNV 91.5. Jazz and more. Have a great week. A wonderful rest of your day. I want to thank you for tuning in to The Scoop with me, Tanya Flanagan. And I want to invite you to get social with me. I'm on Facebook and Twitter. My name is my handle, T-A-N-Y-A-F-L-A-N-A-G-A-N. You can also find me on Instagram at Tanya Almanize Flanagan. And if you have a thought, an opinion, or a suggestion, don't hesitate to shoot me an email to tanya.flanagan at unlv.edu. Thanks again for joining in. Stay safe and have a great week.